Hi guys, welcome to episode eight of season five here on the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. I am thrilled to bring on Dr. Jamie Shear today. She is going to encourage you and inspire you and give you so many great insights. Um, mainly the fact that rigidity is truly the death of consistency when it comes to anything related to your health. This season is all about simple steps towards improving your health. And honestly, consistency is the most important thing when it comes to eating better, to getting good exercise, all the things related to our health. And rigidity is the death of it. And Jamie is going to encourage you about that. She is a naturopathic physician and a registered dietitian. And she's going to share with us in just a minute about how that came about. It's a really a neat combination that that she offers. And Dr. Jamie is the owner of Sheer Nutrition, as well as co-founder of XFit Lab, which is a medical fitness consulting company. Dr. Jamie is the assistant is an assistant director at the Institute for Family Health at Mount Sinai, and she's a prominent speaker. And she is often sought out as a lecturer in the corporate and the academic space. And I am so glad she took the time to sit down and encourage us today. We're talking all things. Protein, fiber, carbs, by the way, carbs are not always bad. Jamie gives us great insight to that. We're talking about menopause and we're talking about, honestly, the most important thing that we should be eating every day and even how much of it we should be eating. Don't miss this episode. Stick with me. You're going to love this. Okay. So Jamie, I know that you are not a typical dietitian. In fact, when I first started following you on Instagram, that's why I hit the follow button because I realized oh. you're not typical. Um, and I, I, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, you call yourself a naturopathic doctor who's also an integrative and sports nutritionist. Is that? Yeah. I mean, after I had already gone and become an RD, a registered dietitian, I had an experience once where I was work. I, I tell the story all the time. I had gone, got my RD, I'd done my bachelor's, my master's in nutrition. I was a practicing nutritionist in New York City. And I was having lunch with a friend who said that her acne was cured by her naturopath. And I was very taken back because I was like, what's a naturopath? And why haven't I learned that? If I have, you know, all of these degrees in nutrition, how come I can't figure out how to treat your acne with your diet and, and a naturopath can? Mm -hmm. And so I went home and I looked it up and I realized that, you know, naturopathy is a extension of integrative holistic alternative medicine that really sort of dives into a deeper understanding of root cause and a holistic component. Now, it's come a long way in 10, 15, 20 years, um, but it is still, you know, largely a, a challenged form of medicine in that it's not federally recognized. So like in the state of Maine, you, a naturopath is a fully functioning primary care doc, right? With prescription rights and minor surgery rights and in California, the same. Um, okay. Whereas in other states, their capacity for practicing medicine is limited to specific things. I actually However, did not know that. Mm -hmm. So depending on what state you practice in will depend on the scope of your, of your practice. But for me, none of that mattered because I actually was never going to be a naturopath because I wanted to practice medicine. I was going to be a naturopath because they were learning something very in-depth about treating various different ailments and illnesses and um, imbalances, if you will, through diet that I hadn't learned. 
and that wasn't embraced in the conventional nutrition space mm-hmm. for many reasons of which would take you know a long time to get through but um i was taught nutrition Some in of the it most comes down to money though right most of it does yeah. you know <laughs> the lobby and who's paying who and push yep. my you know cereal and my milk and my Absolutely. wheat products yep um yeah, it's the way of the world in or the, this country for many things right and yep. we we deal with that now with insurance and medicine but um so at the time i was like you know if this education is this doctoral education is teaching people what to do in diet to treat acne and how to treat autoimmune disease and what you need to do from the perspective of imbalances and illnesses through dietary intervention well that's why i became a nutritionist to begin with and it was the thing that was missing Hmm. um so it took me down the road so i went did five years um of a postdoctorate degree got my naturopathic medical degree so i technically can practice medicine in many states Hmm. um and through the sort of marriage of both the nutrition background and the integrative medicine. And then my um, master's was in sports nutrition. I'm an athlete. I sort of just took the three things that I love and I put them all together and I sit with you here today. And I love it. And like I said, on your Instagram, I, you see all of that. And I love it that you pull it together. Mm-hmm. I think it's a huge problem in today's modern world in medicine and other areas that Everything is just separate and nobody combines or talks about how these, all these things interrelate. Of course they do. Like we're a whole human being and every part of our aspect relates to the other part and you can't really Mm -hmm. just fix one part, you know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Unfortunately, medicine is very fractioned. And I think that has been a byproduct of, you know, insurance companies and how they want to pay. And, you know, that's a whole um, other conversation that's not fun to have. But, you know, one of the hats that I wear is as a um, assistant director for integrative medicine through an outpatient um, Mount Sinai clinic here in New York City. And I work a lot to help patients understand that it's not the doctor's fault that the doctor doesn't know how to talk about diet, or it's not the doctor's fault that the doctor doesn't understand functional medicine or lifestyle medicine, because that's not what they were taught, right? Just like I, as a dietitian, was not taught how to treat acne through diet. I had to become a naturopath to do it. Mm-hmm. Many of the primary care doctors of the world, well intended in preventing disease and treating disease, aren't taught what wellness medicine looks like and or aren't taught um, you know, sort of the prevention and wellness of medicine. So we fault them for not knowing it, but that's not part of the education. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. But I mean, you you can certainly still find a traditional doctor, I think, that is willing to listen and mm-hmm. consider and you all should, these other aspects. For Absolutely. sure. Yes, for mm-hmm. sure. And some are better than others. And, you know, it is very fractioned and um, it's the nuance of how a, a doctor can get paid and what they can bill for. And it's just such a shame because at its core, most family medicine docs are just there for exactly what you and I are talking about, right? Really yeah. big picture, whole person. Absolutely. Which is why I love what I do, right? We take a big step back and look at the entire person top to bottom. Definitely. And it, it's a lot harder work too, but boy, it's so much more rewarding and it gets to the core of the problem so much more often. Absolutely. Um, well, here on the podcast, we do a whole lot of talking about real food. And this season is all about simple steps towards improving our health. And of course, how that relates to our food and our nutrition. So talk to me about food as fuel, because I I know that calories to most women get a really bad rap 
you know, you're counting the calories, mm -hmm. the calories are a negative thing, you want to avoid the calories. But of course, we have to have the good fuel, or we can't get things done. For sure. So what's the best way for us to really view calories? And, you know, especially if we do need to lose a few pounds, I don't know, give us, give us your insight. Yeah, that's a huge question. It's a good question, though. So let's do the same thing here that I was just talking about before, which is sort of take a step back and look big picture, right? Um, at the end of the day, we can debate calories in, calories out as the scientific way of either gaining or losing weight. That's before we enter in stress, hormones, lifestyle, environment, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. no, it's no secret. Our food system has not set us up for success, but for failure in the way that this country produces food and markets food Absolutely. and literally makes food so that you crave it, need it, and are addicted to Very having much. more of it. So like we're set up for failure in that space. And then the healthiest foods are the most expensive foods and the cheapest foods are the, you know, the least healthy. And so the, we're, there's many things stacked against us in that space, but um, nutrition as a science is immensely complex. And we often try to extrapolate concepts from nutrition to simplify them and make them sound like they will work. So for example, oh, we'll cut your calories and you'll lose weight. And in its most basic principle, that can work for some. But usually that's not sustainable if you're working from a space of deprivation. Mm -hmm. Or if you're battling menopause or hormones, that's not yep. sustainable. Or if you're somebody with fitness goals who really wants to build muscle and feel good, energetic, performing in the you know gym or in your sport, then just pulling back and cutting isn't necessarily um, a positive attribute to there. So yeah. I think if I had to answer the question concisely, I would say that the less processed we are with our food. Yes. The higher fiber we have in our food yes. and the more consistent we are with our food behaviors, the more successful you will be regardless of which version of dieting you go on. Mm -hmm. I love it. So consistency, I think that's, I've always felt that's, that's so huge for me. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you start off on the right track and then life and stress and hormones. And yeah. Um, so what tips would you give us for that, for staying consistent? Because it's hard and every day is different. And, you know, yeah. and then not even just for calories. Let's, I like the way you said that. Let's take, take a step back and look at the whole thing, not just calories, but exercise and just the healthy parts that we need to be doing, the healthy things we need to be doing in our day. How yeah. stay consistent? The first thing we need to do is to remove the rigidity, right? Because rigidity mm. is the death of consistency. Mm, and like the more rigid we are, the less consistent we can be. And what consistency will thrive on is flexibility. Mm. And if people are able to inter, uh, intertwine these two concepts so that you have both flexibility and consistency, you're going to hit that mark where you're able to sustain it, right? So what happens for most people is they pick up a habit or a diet or a theory or a concept. I'll use intermittent fasting as a great example, right? Yep. People say, I read intermittent fasting is good for losing weight. So I'm going to go intermittent fasting. And then it's all or nothing. And it's like, can't eat till noon, can't you know eat after eight. And there's this idea that you have to be so rigid in that, that that's the only way it's going to work. Well, in some capacity, yes, but really what intermittent fasting is 
doing is it's reducing your calories. It's creating a calorie deficit. It's shrinking your eating window and creating a longer fasting period. And then also something called apoptosis and cell death, et cetera. So if somebody feels best intermittent fasting, they can take a step back and say, hey, what's happening is I'm no longer eating right before I go to bed. Mm. So I'm no longer having heavy foods that might interfere with my sleep, that might interfere with my appetite in the morning. I'm giving my body two or three hours before I go to sleep from when I stop eating. That aspect alone for most people is effective at losing the same amount of weight as if they fully followed intermittent fasting. Mm. I love it's a lot. Really, a key to being consistent is having a holistic view of how everything's working. Yeah, it's it's understanding it, but it's also being flexible to it, right? So, like if you work early in the morning and you work out before you work and you have a long day and you want to eat dinner with your kids, like realistically cutting at your eating window, never having food in the morning and food at night might be something that is not sustainable. And therefore it's not going to work for you. Taking a step back, if we look at it more like, but one of the most effective aspects of this version, and I'm, and I'm not even, you know, encouraging people to do it. I'm just sort of highlighting that one of the most successful aspects of that style of lifestyle modification is that people stop eating late at night before bed snacking right that's when does emotional eating happen always after dinner and so now I can say to my clients you don't have to do the full intermittent fasting but I need you to cut off all your food after 8 Mm p.m or cut off food two hours before bed that is doable with the exception of maybe you have a special dinner reservation at 9 p.m on some random night of the month when flexibility comes in right Correct. Yes. Yes. And you don't fall off and then you don't have to rebound and pendulum swing to something extreme. You know, my most successful clients are not the ones who are so, so rigid and, and routine that they don't create space for other things. It's those who are able to every day be very consistent with the most important, you know, foundations for themselves. Um, and so I think that if, you know, we go back to the question in the beginning, which is like, is it calories and how do we lose weight if we want to? And um, habits can be broken, but not just because we decide we're going to change them. If it were that easy, we would we would all just very sure. cha- change them very quickly, right? So, who? What is in your life that gets in the way, and where can we create space that will allow us to shift it and not entirely change it because that's not sustainable? But um, doing it in that way, taking that perspective, has consistently created more success for my clients. Hmm. I love it. Rigidity is the death of consistency. That's going to be my new motto. We become so dogmatic about things, right? Like, oh, well, I don't do dairy. Why don't you do dairy? Because I heard it was inflammatory. Mm -hmm. Well, for some, it could be, but maybe not for all. Is it inflammatory for you? No, but I heard it's really bad for you. But in this particular individual, perhaps a 25 gram serving of cottage cheese may serve their diet tremendously well to help with protein and satiety, but they're not eating the dairy because they heard it was bad. And instead they're having a dairy-free one, which doesn't have the protein and has a higher sugar. And that's an example of where we become dogmatic about this concept, but we don't necessarily turn inwards and say, yeah, for many it might be, but is it for me? Yeah. Yeah. And we see people are, I think, getting more and more dogmatic when it comes to nutrition. And it's not, not me because I, 
I struggle with <laughs> rigidity. <laughs> um, but you mentioned protein. Tell us more about protein. Why is it crucial? Well, when you think about protein as a macronutrient, it's the building block for us, right? If somebody was, you know, in the hospital and they needed nutrition support for severe illness, mm -hmm. like a burn, we would increase their protein because protein is the macronutrient that is necessary for repair and for growth. Mm -hmm. Protein is arguably one of the most important aspects of satiety as well because of how it is broken down and utilized in the body. Mm -hmm. So most people have goals of being healthier, building more muscle, being stronger, that contributes to a greater, what we call basal metabolic rate, right? Muscle burns more than fat. So the more muscle you have, the more calories your body burns, which helps you control if we're talking about weight in this instance. So there's many reasons why building and maintaining muscle is crucial, especially for my menopausal women. Yes. And so having enough protein allows us to do that. When we don't have enough protein, we can't support the growth and repair of our body functions in an optimal way. Mm -hmm. But protein has gotten this bad reputation. It's like either the nutrients that like bodybuilders and meatheads use, you know, to get really big and they're, you know, downing protein shakes, or, you know, people think of protein as meats and they want to have more of a plant-based diet. So then they go to, you know, less protein. Um, we highlight carbohydrates so much as like the devil in the diet, right? Yes. Oh, restrict your carbs, get your carbs. But carbs are not the devil in the diet. It's an excessive amount of processed foods and sugars that yes. are the devil in the diet. Yes. But but we sort I of love put... my carbs. That's another reason I followed you. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Um, but we put so much on the carbohydrate. And so then, you know, we're forgetting that instead of demonizing that, if we actually highlight and give space for how good we can feel with adequate protein intake yeah. and fiber. Protein and fiber are the yeah. important ratio. Um, it's another area where we will tend to see goals be met more and, and also just forget weight, like health, wellness, longevity, brain health, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started, uh, it's been three or four years now that I've been in menopause and it's a struggle, huge struggle in so many ways. Mm -hmm. But um, I really hadn't thought about from what you're saying, I really should be paying more attention to my protein. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, so menopause can affect women in so many different ways, right? So I'm very careful not to just to just sort of prescribe it in one space. Sure. And some people will experience menopausal symptoms for a very long time and some people very quick. So it, it, there is an individual um, experience here that has to be held at, at the highest point. But yeah. just to answer your question, like what I see with a lot of women in menopause is a decrease in energy, an increase in belly fat or mm -hmm. a loss of muscle around their midsection, a slower metabolism. But wait, do those two things go together? I really didn't know that. Do you have... Which one? I thought that you had the, I knew you had the increased belly fat. I've definitely seen that, but is it because the muscles are decreasing in that same area? Well, not the muscle necessarily decreasing, but the hormones that allow us to maintain the integrity and strength of the muscle, right? Okay. Estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. These are all hormones that are crucial in, 
in our muscle development and maintaining muscle and building muscle. Okay. So it's not like menopause just makes your muscles disappear, but it's that much more challenging to sustain and build them if you're not adequately feeding them. Okay. Without the hormones, right? I mean, think of testosterone. If somebody wants to get stronger or quicker, they go on testosterone. Well, testosterone is one of the hormones that significantly decreases in a woman in menopause. We think mm-hmm. of estrogen and progesterone, but testosterone's right there with it. Mm-hmm. And these these hormones are crucial to building muscle and maintaining muscle. So yeah, um, we also see more cortisol and cortisol is the one that's connected to yes. belly fat, right? Yes. So there's this hormonal shift that does have a greater impact on our abdominal adiposity or how we store fat for some women in menopause. Okay. And that is true. But what happens is our knee jerk reaction and or social media reaction or historical reaction would always be like, well, cut your carbs and go do more cardio. But we cut our carbs and we go do more cardio. We're not building muscle and muscle is the thing that we're losing, which is the thing that allows us to maintain our basal metabolic rate, which is allows our metabolism to stay high and our muscles to be strong so that we don't experience exactly what we're experiencing. So I see all these women who come to me, they're like, I'm riding my bike an hour a day. I'm Mm -hmm. going for a walk an hour a day. You know, I'm really, I'm avoiding bread. I'm not eating eating pastas and rice. I'm like, okay, but are you building strength and are you eating protein and fiber? Because most of the time when people cut their carbs, they then end up cutting fibers. So now you've cut out one of the most important nutrients for maintaining muscle and weight in menopause. And you also are doing an exercise that breaks down muscle and doesn't build it. Oh, I've never even thought of that. <laughs> You're right. Oh my goodness. And so we have to switch that, right? And so then the language becomes, we need a good protein fiber ratio. Instead of you know, creating chaos around the carbohydrates, we're going to increase the fiber, we're going to increase the protein, and we're going to create a really sustainable plan for strength training. And then we'll figure out what to do with the carbs and the cycling after, but certainly not first. Hmm. Hmm. I love it. Wow. I'm going to pause this episode for just a quick second to remind you that you can get an amazing deal on truly the best soil test kit I have ever even heard of. If you grow any of your own food, you have to test the soil, find out the nutrients that it lacks, or maybe the nutrients that it has way too much of. That's the problem that I faced a year and a half ago. And not only does this soil test kit show you those things, it actually gives you the solutions and walks you through it in layman's terms. So go check out at redmondagriculture.com and use code solely rested on a few soil test kits that will get you totally on the right track with the food that you're growing. Again, it's redmondagriculture.com and the code is solely S-O-U-L-Y rested. Or you can go to slowlyrested.com slash soil. Everything about my personal experience with my garden soil woes and a link to this great kit and a reminder of what the code is, is all going to be found there at solelyrested.com slash soil. But don't wait another day because this will change your garden. Um, there's a couple of things I've seen you say over on Instagram that I'd love for you to kind of expand on. Um, let me see. Under eating and overtraining will never get results. Mm, I see this all the time. 
you know, under eating is under fueling. What happens to your car if you don't put gas in it, but you decide to keep driving it? It's going to eventually drive and die. Or your phone, if you don't charge it, but you keep using it, right? Like mm -hmm. we have to remember that there is the fuel we put in our body is what allows us to sustain the energy to train in a way that's most effective. When you overtrain and you undereat, you create a stress response that's not positive, but negative. All exercise causes an increase in cortisol. Mm -hmm. That is a good thing. It is a protective mechanism of, of the cortisol is protective of the, of the exercise. However, when you overtrain and you underfeed and you don't have the ability to support the, those adrenal or energetic needs, the cortisol stays high for too long, creating belly fat, creating that swollen look, sabotaging your ability to build lean muscle. So we also then create something called a greater strain, right? For any of my wearables out there who are either wearing a whoop or an aura ring, the overtrained and underfed individual is going to see a pretty drastic shift in their HRV and their recovery because their body is not able to get back to the place where it's going to either perform or recover at its best. Mm. Mm. Now, I can tell you, I see the opposite too. I see overtrained and underfed and I see overfed and undertrained, mm. right? And I see my, you know, three meals a day and they're fantastic, robust meals and they've got their snacks. And then I ask about training and it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm walking, you know, to work or I take, you know, I get off the bus at extra stop early or, oh, mm. you know, I have to walk my dog. And it's like, that's great, but that's not exercise. So if you're walking your dog for exercise, I applaud that you're moving, but it's not exercise. It's an activity of daily living. Hmm. And you know, I actually see a lot of this with my followers on Instagram and people in my circle, because in the simple living world, there's a lot of homesteading. We homestead, we have a small farm here. And I, I actually would love your thought on this because I don't really have a good comeback, but I know people will often say, well, I'm really busy on the farm all day. You know, I'm using the wheelbarrow and I'm digging with the shovel and I'm moving the hay bales and I don't have time for exercise, but it's different. It's very different. Now, what I would say to somebody like that is, you know, if you were using that as your exercise, then you would have to gauge how high is your heart rate getting? And is it in, in shorter periods of time or is it sustained throughout the whole day? Mm -hmm. And are you lifting things that are building muscle? And perhaps if those farm days are going to be your more cardio or aerobic because you're moving constantly, you might still need two days a week where you're engaging specific muscles to mm -hmm. build them. Right. Or maybe the opposite. Maybe, you know, you lift so heavy in your, in your work at home that you don't actually move as much as you think you're moving. And maybe those other days we need a good hour fast paced walk. And so it, it sort of goes back to that, like, what can I do within my own space that is more well-rounded that is, you know, going to help me hit all of those needs. Yeah. And again, it's stepping back, seeing the whole picture and really. Yeah. But you know, it's hard. We all get in our own way. Yeah. Right? We're, we all get in our own way. We're all sort of um, patterned in ways that is familiar. So most of the time when I'm working with somebody, I just spend a good 20, 30 minutes getting to know who they are. What does their day-to-day -day look like? What are the things that they believe? What are, you know, what are the patterns that they have? Um, I was working with a woman yesterday who, you know, innocently was like, 
I don't, I, you know, there's nothing I'm doing that I could change to make myself lose weight. And I just don't know what's going on. And she lists off her very healthy diet for me. Um, and you know, when we step back a little bit further and I, I start to investigate, it turns out that there were a few areas where she was getting in so much more sugar than she thought, right? We talked mm-hmm. about the protein sugar ratio of yogurt. So she wasn't doing anything wrong. She was still having a Greek yogurt, but forgot that when she changed brands, she changed macros. And all of a sudden the yogurt that she was having had more sugar than protein. Mm. And she was getting in the equivalent of, you know, sugar from Snickers bar, let's say. Mm. And that every day was like, well, how come all of a sudden, you know, there's something there. And so there's always these little shifts that we can't always be aware of if we're just sort of operating on our day to day until we step back until we say like, you know, whether it's, that was just an example of a food and sugar, or maybe it could be in the exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you would say food wise is important to make sure we're eating if we want to lose a few pounds and yet stay healthy? And controversially, is there something that, you know, we should always definitely avoid eating if we want to lose a little weight? Yeah. You're not going to lose weight and sustain weight loss if you're not eating vegetables. And fruit and vegetables are just not interchangeable in this space. Fruit is healthy and you're not hearing me say you shouldn't eat it. But your fruit salad or bowls of fruit or multiple fruits or fruits in your smoothie aren't going to give you the same results as eating multiple fruits on your dinner, uh, vegetables on your dinner plate or snacking on vegetables. Does that mean it goes back to the sugar? It goes to the fiber and the sugar, right? So um, we talked about calories in the beginning. The fruit will have greater caloric density because there's sugar in it. The vegetable will have much less calories and much higher fiber. And where that breaks down is something we call the thermogenic effect of food, which is actually the amount of energy it takes your body to digest and absorb that food. So if we took a food like kale or broccoli, it actually takes more energy for your body to chew, swallow, break down, digest, and absorb that food than you get from the actual food. Mm not including, you know, the olive oil and all that you cook with it, but like just the food itself. I just planted both of those this morning. I just have to say, I mean, (laughs) just planted them in my garden this morning. You are ready. (laughs) Um, So what happens is, you know, we actually end up sort of burning calories by eating these foods. And so the simple, right, simple way that somebody can first dial into saying, I really want to, you know, lose a few pounds. I'm going to say, are you eating 50% of your foods? from vegetables. Literally wow, 50%. 50%. Wow. Most people say no. is a better choice, right? Not necessarily. No. Okay. Okay. So cooked kale is much better than raw kale, right? Oh. Because it's, you can digest it and, and, and absorb it better, right? There's a lot of um, components to a raw vegetable that may be indigestible. So hmm. okay. not necessarily. 50%. No. Mm-hmm. That's actually possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about yeah. it. Like if somebody is, let's like hypothetically say somebody is eating eggs in the morning, I would say make an egg vegetable omelet or make scrambled eggs and throw it over a bed of greens and then have it with your bread and your toast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of eggs or cheese or eggs or sausage or bacon, we're doing eggs and vegetables over toast. We didn't take out the bread. We didn't get rid of it. Thank we you. Kept in the egg. <laughs> And then for lunch, in you know, if it's a turkey sandwich, I would make it a turkey sandwich with lettuce, tomatoes, cucumbers, onions, sprouts, okay. sliced carrots. Sprouts. I oh. love sprouts. Mm-hmm. That, I'm glad you said that. That's a great way to get a lot more vegetables in. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's dinner, let's say it's, you know, a hamburger, I do it a hamburger with tomato and maybe a lettuce wrap and a side salad. And we can put, you know, some, um, other vegetables that are cooked in there, roasted, um, sauteed, barbecued, grilled basket, vegetables, carrots, onions, all the, all the different ones really doesn't matter. Um, if it was, you know, I don't know, what did you have for dinner last night? Pork steak. And what did you have with it? Potatoes, air fried. And what did you have with it? I did have a salad. (laughs) So I would say the ratio of that food should be that the vegetable is first. So you have the, you eat the salad. It is the greatest amount of food and you eat it first. Okay. The pork is the second greatest amount of food and you eat it second. And the carbohydrate and the potato is the third. It's still there and you eat it. But if there's two cups of salad, there's one cup of pork, there's a half a cup of potatoes. Okay. Okay. So it could be you still eat the same things you would if you're eating healthy anyway. It's just you up the portion on your plate. It's the vegetable. Hmm. Okay. It will work every time. Well, you've inspired me. I don't know. The 50% really scared me at first, (laughs) but you talked me through it. Thank you, Jamie. (laughs) And sometimes people are like, vegetables at breakfast? I'm not doing that. I'm like, don't then. So still have whatever it is that you have, have your oatmeal, have your smoothie. And then you might decide you're going to snack on cucumbers and sea salt or carrots and hummus or string beans and tahini or whatever it might be. But you're just going to start to think about the day and and think to yourself, like, "Mm, where can I get more vegetables in here? And I love that. That's that's a great idea that your snacks can be the vegetable. Absolutely. Fill up our snacks with vegetables. I love it. Okay, Dr. Jamie Shear, where can people find you and what else should they know about you and all the great yeah. things that you offer? Um, best way to find me is on Instagram um, because that'll take you to all my other places, to my you know website and stuff. Yeah. And um, it's just Jamie Shear, but I think you'll put that in the show notes or whatever. So people, because the spelling is a little challenging. Yes. Um, and you know some of the things that I'm working on. So I believe this is part of how you found me is that... Um, there's a, a really wonderful, well-known celebrity trainer named Kira Stokes. And yes. Kira and I have been friends for years. Um, and Kira is somebody who has as much integrity in her exercise and training as I do in my nutrition and really respects sort of the expertise there. And so she had a lot of her platform asking for nutrition. Yeah. And she brought me on to collaborate with her on how we can introduce some of these concepts that I'm talking to you about yes. um, in into the masses. And so I run a program with Kira called KS Fit Fuel. And it's just a monthly subscription. So this is where people get a little confused. Kira's app is different. She has a subscription to her fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. That is not the same. Um, hers is a, a an app. The subscription that we have is a program where you get monthly emails and you get live calls with myself and with Kira. So you have an mm-hmm. hour with us. Um, it's actually really intended to bring awareness and ideas and meal ideas and inspiration to people. So you would be, you know, you would subscribe to this and then you'd get all of these different pointers from Kira and I, and you'd get meal ideas and you'd get, you know, to have us for an hour. And we only, it's only $5.99 a month and it's intended to be, yeah, it's only $6 a month. And it's done that way because I don't want people to feel like this is something that is like overwhelming. It's just like, Hey, for $6, here's, you know, 30 different ideas that you can eat and come join me and Kira for an hour on a Monday night. And let's talk about menopause and talk about training. And so I do run that with her and that's been a lot of fun. And you can find that directly through Instagram. So high energetic and so Uh inspiring. So you two are a great, a great connection. (laughs) 
she is that's who she is as a human you know there's just that's that's her energy um and then I also you know I run a pretty large private practice out telehealth so it's all virtual um just really helping people figure out exactly what we talk about we talk about you know somebody will come to me they want to lose weight they have hypothyroid somebody else will come because they have you know distension abdominal pain bloating constipation IBS diarrhea and you know, you've been to so many doctors and, and they're like, oh, we'll cut out dairy. And you're like, thanks, I did that already. Or they'll say, oh, it's stress. And it's like, I know, but I can't reduce the stress in my life. Yeah. And so kind of um, akin to what you and I were talking about in the beginning of the call, which is sort of just here, having someone who becomes your um, your partner in this, right? Like your lifestyle, wellness, medicine, nutrition partner who says, okay, let's get these labs. Let's look at your diet. Let's talk about your exercise. How is your stress? How is your sleep? And, and sort of works on that like deeper level with you. So that's what my private practice does. I absolutely love it because it is such an area where I get to really sort of know people and, and see their journey and watch them change. Um, that's great. And you can do that totally remotely. Mm-hmm, I do that remotely. Okay. And then um, I have a few other projects in the works that, um, you know, that pop up here and there. Right now, I'm just sort of focusing on some things that haven't come out yet um, in addition to Ooh, trying to yeah, get people to connect in on social media. You know, one of the things that I, I think people don't maybe pick up on right away from my social, which is so important to me, is that my social media is not sponsored. I have never never taken a single dime from it. And so when I post a product review, when I talk about a what's the deal, which are the two platforms that I run on my social media, it is because I want to educate. It is the right reason I got into nutrition. It is the work that I do in the hospital, educating doctors how to practice this in their own space. Um, And so I started social because people would ask me lots of questions about nutrition. And I was like, man, everybody's asking me about dairy. Let me just tell you, what's the deal? What's the deal dairy? What's the deal hormones? What's the deal soy? What's the deal cortisol? What's the deal? And over the past two years, I've just like grown it tremendously. And now then I started product reviews. So people will say like, Oh, how's skinny pop or how's Olipop or, and so I can, you know, from an unbiased perspective and I do not take a dime. And I think that's really important. So I guess I would say, you know, if, if someone's listening and they go and they find my Instagram and they follow it and they think it's, you know, something that is helping them to just, you know, continue to share that because yeah. I think it's very, very rare to find platforms that mm-hmm. aren't working on ads and sponsors. Like everything I see, it's okay. like sponsored posts. I'm like, man, I'm not interested anymore. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody go find Jamie Shear. Thank you so much, Jamie. So wasn't that great? Seriously. If you were on Instagram, go look up Dr. Jamie. It is spelled J-A-I-M-E-S-C-H-E-H-R. That is her Instagram page. And you will be glad that you found her. In the meantime, thanks for listening, guys. And I would love to hear your thoughts on including more vegetables in your daily diet. If you have some tips, some vegetable snacks you love, whatever, go ahead, send me a message over on Instagram and I will be sharing that with everyone. Well, thanks for listening. I will catch up with you next time. Remember guys, it's easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So we have to enjoy the simple everyday efforts. It's not easy, but it is such a good life.